Welcome to the Wake Before the Day podcast with my parents, Clark and Bobby. We're excited to talk about the Bible and the Holy Spirit adventures. Thanks for listening. Um, I've got our special guest, Jody Grass, in the house again. It's good to be here. Yeah, and like we said, we transitioned to the book of James, and we both love James. We do. Oh, it's one of my favorite. One of the things I like about this book so much is there's no like gray area. He's very black and white, like... Left is left, right is right, up is up, down is down. Here's what you're supposed to do. Here's what you're not supposed to do. And I like that it's just clear. Yep, it's like, he lays it out. I've heard someone say clarity is charity. And I'm like, yeah, it really is. If you people know what we what God expects and what we're called to do, it's actually really kind. <laughs> kind of God. It is. Make it clear and we lay it out. We, yeah. And we, we know what to do. So this is divided into two halves. The first half is talking about favoritism within relationships in the church. And the second half is dealing with faith and deeds. And really the first couple of verses, he's just saying, don't show favoritism. doesn't matter if someone's tall or short, rich or poor, male or female. Love everybody. Treat them fairly. Treat them kindly. And... I can speak to this because I know I know why he's saying this, especially talking to this church plant. It can be tempting for us as humans, even as pastors, to go, what can I get out of this? Right. People are coming in and you want to love somebody, you want to care for them, but the, the fleshly desire here is like, huh, who is this and what are they doing? How can I make a connection? How can I network this? How can I... He's saying, don't play favorites. Love everybody the same. If a network or connection comes out of this, cool. But don't have an angle to to get something out of it because people can sniff that out a mile away, right? Right. And that assessment's made out of superficial things. Yes. It's what we see. We we don't know their character yet. We don't know yeah. um, who they are and how they're walking with the Lord. It's a it's a superficial assessment. So yeah. it usually doesn't play out the way you want it to. For sure. That was I think this might have been one of the hardest lessons I learned, like when I was in seminary and intern. Yeah. I wanted to do like one of the things that I had to do right away is identify leaders in the ministry and go like, who is a leader? And initially I just went through basically boxes on a paper and go, who checks these boxes? And it's like, who knows the Bible? Who has been raised in the Christian family? Who is da, 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 da. And what I found is that there's a number of people who check boxes that I like actually they kind of showed favoritism towards or even like wanted to spend more time with and invest in. So I don't know if it was necessarily favoritism. And and some of these folks just didn't care about other people. Yep. So like, okay, this is a hard lesson to learn. There's no fruit here. They're here. They're glad to be here. They say they love Jesus, even though I'm not sure if they're following him. Who can I invest in? Who's here that just one needs cared for, but who, like, who wants to be here? Right. And who wants to love another human being? And so it's a little tangent from this, but that's just a tough lesson I had to learn to like get out of, what can I get out of this? What can the church get out of this? What can the small group get out of this? How can, whether it's reputations or whatever, it's like, I just need to love people here. And then like Mike DeMaster always says, follow the fruit. Yep. Follow the fruit. So love everybody who walks in your door, come as you are, can't stay as you are, follow the fruit. Um, I guess one of the observances for us at Emmanuel's, oftentimes it's people who are newer to Christ and are like a year or two or three in that are kind of in the fringe still, like their families in the world, but they're learning to be a follower of Jesus. So they're the ones that are actually going out inviting and saying, Hey, you got to come to this church. You got to come to this Bible study. You got to read the Bible. And there's incredible fruit where oftentimes I feel like people can get in the Christian bubble and just stay in that bubble and not ever take a step out of that bubble. 
And then you just start showing favoritism to people you know, people you care about, people you know, have them over to your house, they'll have you over to their house, and this is just how this works, and we're not going to talk to anybody new. We're, we're missing it. And that's what James Absolutely. is telling the church, like saying, hey, when the new person comes in, whether they're rich or poor, I want you to be kind, welcome them in, and invite them to to the way of Jesus. Yeah. Even in, in you know mentoring relationships, something just as you were talking, it made me think of it. Something I often look for is, is, some, is this person looking to just have someone to meet with and kind of be able to talk things out, or are they actually wanting to grow in their walk with God? Yeah. And if they're genuinely leaning in and, and wanting to grow in their walk with God, you see it. Oh, yes. Uh, when you actually get to spend time with people. But it's hard to make that assessment mm-hmm. just from a visual appearance. For sure. And then verse eight, he kind of transitions to keep the royal law found in scripture, love your neighbor as yourself. And I love that, that old parable. Who is my neighbor? Your neighbor is your neighbor. It's the person next door. It's the person in this room. It's the person across the alley. It's the person you're bumping into the grocery store. (laughs) Exactly. It's like these people are your neighbors. You're here. You need to love them. And then they're kind of transitions to like this justice and mercy. Um, God's saying, hey, speak and act as those who are going to be judged by the law that gives freedom. And so with that, you you have this fear of the Lord. You take seriously the call to follow Jesus and to do what Jesus did, knowing that there will be a judgment. God is merciful, but he also is serious about the call to make disciples and to teach them what's been taught to you and kind of living out that great commission from Matthew 28. And sometimes we can just be like, hey, you know, they're here. Looks like their life's together. I'll hang out with them. It's not going to be too hard. I don't have to get my hands too dirty. My life will stay together and, I don't know, smooth and easy. And and James is like, nope, don't do it. Whoever walks in, even the people who are hard to love, love them. Love them. And I even, just to single in, in too, on that love your neighbor as yourself, I think we, it's easy to pass over that statement. But if we're loving, we know how selfish we are. Yeah. We know that literally when we walk in a room, no matter how much we try to fight it, we're assessing what we need, what we see. What oh, yeah. I mean, it's it's all about me. Um, and so if if that is the way I love myself, is I'm always aware of what my needs are and what my wants are, then how do I love somebody else mm-hmm. that way where I am immediately concerned about what their needs are, what um, how I can help them and meet them where they're at? That's a whole different kind of a love your neighbor as yourself kind of a picture oh for sure definitely putting them above you yeah and then he kind of transitions now to the second half where he's talking about faith and deeds and we we're both laughing getting excited like oh this is really good this is so helpful um what do you love about kind of verses 14 through 26 here yeah so i mean just jumping in even 14 what good is it my brothers and sisters if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds can such faith save them so it gets to that really big question, like, is faith enough? And is he opposing what Paul, te- what, um, what is Paul teaches in other places? And he's not. He's not saying that we're saved by deeds. Yeah. He's saying that we're saved by faith, but faith without deeds is an empty faith. Yeah. So because, because of what Jesus did for us, because of what we receive from him, our natural response in our faith in him is to do good things for him Amen. and to tell others about him. So it's a response to receiving Christ yeah. as our Savior. We must have good deeds as yeah. a part of living for Christ. 
Yeah, I love how you said that. One of those other scriptures that comes to my mind is just the Ephesians 2, 8 through 10. If you've been around the church, you've probably heard this, but it says you're saved by grace through faith. It's not of yourselves. It's a gift of God, not by works that no one can boast. Um, It says you're God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which he prepared in advance for you to do. So you're saved by grace, and grace is the unmerited kindness of God to the undeserving. And it's this beautiful gift. And when we get foretaste of the kingdom and of this life with Jesus, we should not be able to help ourselves, but to then go live it out and do what Jesus did. And so if we're looking around at our life, and I think the kingdom metrics would be like the fruitfulness of our life. Like, are we growing in love of Jesus and of neighbor? Are we becoming more patient and kind? Because this is who God is. Um, Then we're good. If if those kingdom metrics, though the fruit's not being cultivated, we haven't seen anything over the last few weeks, months, even a year, then I think we got to revisit what is it that I actually believe, right? Right. And like you taught VP3 for a long time, um, Vantage Point 3, and in it, one of those most helpful lessons is wrestling with the difference between an ideal and a value. Yeah, it's so good. And so like an ideal, again, is like a good idea. A value is something you actually do. Right. And a great way that they evaluate, they teach you to evaluate that is, so an ideal, often people, when, when somebody lists their values, they will put down ideals because they want that to be what their values are. But then the question is, what's the first thing that comes through your mind to, when you have a big decision to make, what is your process? If you want to say that, um, my faith in God is number one, my top value, but the first thing you think about is how much will that cost me? Um, how is that going to impact my family? Then he's he's not the top mm-hmm. value. That's an ideal. We yeah. want it to be, but it's not the reality. Um, we look at where we spend our finances, what, how we spend our time. Yes. Those all show us what our values really are. Yeah. And how do we then switch that so that we actually ch- make take our ideals and actually make them our mm-hmm. values? But we have to identify it before we can actually make that yeah, shift. Yeah. Like you said, your, your values, your credit card statement, yep. your calendar reveal what you and I actually believe. Like we might want to think that we are uh, generous people mm-hmm. or we're healthy eaters or we love our neighbor. But if you go back and look at like, hey, who's a, what's a new name lately that you've learned from church? Like, well, I've sat in the same seat for 20 years and don't know any new names. And I would say, I'm not sure if hospitality or loving your neighbor, meeting someone new, you know what I mean? Yeah. Is a value necessarily part of your belief system. Right. And I hope it will be, but that just requires some reflection and introspection to figure out like, what is it that I actually believe? And here James is reminding us, he's pressing in, he's doubling down saying, if you really believe in Jesus and who Jesus is and what he's done, then you got to do what he did. Yeah. And there should be fruit there. And there's it's not an that, action step. Yeah, there's an action step. And that's the Holy Spirit working and bringing fruit. It's not that, um, it's not our charisma. It's not our ability. It's not like how much money we can throw at something. It's the kingdom metrics again. It's that love and joy and peace and patience and that list being cultivated in your life and in those you have influence over, those you are in relationship with. Yeah. And that's where those deeds are being seen. Yeah. Even that next verse, Verse 15, it says, suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and be well fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? It's, It's that visual picture of... We can we can wish for anything, but if we're not a part of the solution, if we're not a part of change that needs to take place, we're not being um, we're not helping. Oh, <laughs> for, for sure. sure, 
For yeah. sure, for sure. And then he kind of transitions to kind of an extreme example from the Old Testament with Abraham. Uh, he's like, show me your faith without deeds, and I'll show you my faith by my deeds, by what I do. And he says, do you foolish person, do you, do you want evidence that faith without deeds is useless? And he says, was not our father Abraham considered righteous for what he did when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? You see that his faith and his actions were working together. His faith was made complete by what he did. And so yeah. that's where I'm just reminded to go back. All right, if I believe X, Y, or Z, is X, Y, or Z actually seen and experienced and tasted and touched in my, my reality, my life? And so again, whether it's generosity or it's healthy eating, you want to be a healthy eater and take care of like your body. Your body's a temple of the Holy Spirit. If this is something that you believe is true in scripture, look back at the last couple of days, the last week, the last month, and what habits and rhythms do you have in your life that prove this is something you really believe? Because if you really believe it, you're really going to do it. And if you're not really doing it, then you got to go back and go, <laughs> do I really believe this? I don't know. So it's just something we got to really grapple with. Absolutely. I think one of the things that I think about in those verses you just read too is um, I think a saying comes out of that that is misleading of, um, I don't need to speak about my faith. I just need to live it. Mm. Um, it's a different word, a different in, in kind of the quote that is quoted a lot. And the truth is, this isn't saying that I don't have to speak about my faith. It's saying that if if I just have faith and I don't live it out, then what good is it? Mm-hmm. It's not saying I don't need to speak about who God is. Yeah. Um, but we need we need to have faith in God. We need to do the work that he is calling us to do. We want to live for him, and we need to be changed. Mm-hmm. We need to be transformed. And, and I like that you just touched on the importance of speech, because if you look at the next, ver- the next chapter, what you're going to read tomorrow is James chapter 3, and the majority of it's talking about taming the tongue. And that's mm-hmm. because you're going to need your tongue. You're going to need your words, your mouth, to actually... Uh, follow up your deeds. When someone asks you, oh, you're, you're such a nice boy walking me across the street or carrying my groceries to the car. Like, okay, and that was my opportunity to say, hey, Jesus loves you. God bless you. Have a great day. Yep. Like try to direct the attention back to God himself and allow the deeds and faith and God to get glory in that whole process. If I get the glory out of something, my out of my deeds, then I missed it. Amen. And it's not it's not a genuine faith or act of worship. I've just robbed God of his glory. And so we get opportunities left and right to live out our faith with what we do. And when conversations come up about it and you read about the speech tomorrow, we get a chance to point people to the Lord. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that's all I have for James too. Anything else on your end, Jody? No, I think that covers it. It's a good word. Yeah. Thanks again for joining us on the podcast, Jody. Yeah. Thanks for having me. God bless you. God bless you all. And we'll see you on Sunday. Okay. Have a great week. Bye-bye. Lord bless you and keep you. Don't make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give him his peace. Have a great day.